years ago, I came to Las Vegas. I started at Decker Elementary School with, uh, the, well, there was five other guys, but four of us young guys, all about 22 or 23. And here we are 24 years later, and the guest today was uh, at Decker when we started. And he is now the principal at Linda Gibbons Elementary School. So Dan Hungerford, thank you for being here today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Can you believe we've been here for 24 years? You know, it's funny. Some days it seems like a million years. And then some (laughs) days it seems like yesterday. And it depends on the day. It does. It does. But, you know, when we started out at Decker, it was just, looking back on it, I mean, I think it was just a different time, but I I just like I don't know where the time went. It just it just went by. It went so quick. Like uh I keep saying I'm going to reach out to some of those guys that we first worked with that we don't see anymore cuz some of us we're still here. We still see each other pretty often, which is yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. But there's a few that I haven't seen in some time and uh still in contact with Sam Hafner on Yeah. Uh, Facebook. He seems to be doing well back east. Yeah. But uh, Mike, I had, a, I had Mike, Mike. Mike contacted me on Instagram uh, a couple months ago. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's just, he's just Kovac. He just, Kovac's one beat, man. Captain Kovac, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. But yeah. Uh, and Dan, of course, or uh, Dan, Don is back in South Dakota. So you, yeah, are, Don you and I are the only two that uh, survived Vegas so far. <laughs> Still here, man. They're stuck with us. They are. Well, yeah. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing that they're they're stuck with us. I think some people would like for us to to sail off into the sunset, but uh, well, I could probably pick a few people who would like to see us sail <laughs> off into, into the sunset for sure. Well, you know, we're getting close to that. We're getting close to that. Hey, a couple. I uh, appreciate you coming on the other. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I invited John. and said absolutely. So uh, I appreciate the time. We were talking not long ago about. Star ratings. That's really um, was uh, something that we talked about at one of our meetings, and I basically said that I do not like star ratings because of the way they're set up. You know, like basically the top three stars are. Um, I'm sorry, the top two stars are essentially 67 to 100. The top third, and then zero to 67 is the bottom three stars. It's not equal. Um, and there's so many different factors. Uh, and I know you have some strong feeling about that as well, given kind of your situation this year. So I don't know if you wanted to expand upon that. Yeah, I think I can't stand the star system. I think it's a travesty what it does to school. I think it, I think it sometimes it even pulls communities apart because people get yeah. so caught up on, on, on star ratings. Um, especially when we all start with a foot in a hole, you know, we, we didn't create, the star system. We didn't create the pandemic and uh, we certainly didn't create schools that kids don't want to come to. And, and that's not why kids aren't coming to school, but the chronic absenteeism is crazy. Nobody, nobody's getting 10 points in that category right now. The most I'm hearing, the most I've heard so far is four. Maybe, maybe you could expound on that. If you've heard anybody more than four points. So if you're on a 100-point scale and you're pretty much starting with a 10-point deficit, I mean, that's just not right. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think a school close to yours, actually, uh, which you might have been pointing into the divided community, I think a school close to yours had, uh, had more than four. But even then, you know, you're not wrong. So I don't know what programs you have at your school, but we have three intermediate programs. And essentially, I mean, if a student has an IEP – 
you know, a learning disability, they shouldn't pass the SBAC if we're being honest. So when you look at, you know, Thompson, for example, I have three intermediate programs. So in reality, we're kind of one to one for 27 if a kid passes before we even start. So we're, you know, not to make excuses, you know, all kids should learn, but, uh, but you know, it's tough, you know, it's just hard to, it's hard to make up when you start out basically one for one for 20 something. No, I totally hear you. And I think, I think they're just measuring the wrong things because I'm right there with you. All kids do learn. And that's why kids in self-contained programs and kids, kids that struggle with the learning disability have an IEP and they're held to those goals that we sit down as professionals with their parents and advocates on those IEP teams. And we write goals that are attainable and achievable and give them productive struggle, just like we do for any other learner in our school. We just, we don't have a test that measures that. The CRT doesn't measure that. Right. The yeah. doesn't measure that. You know, that type of test doesn't measure. But we have to include them. And that I blame on bureaucracies. And yeah, people I think, that we elect in office. Yeah, politics. It's just exempt students that, that have an individualized plan and are in a self-contained unit. There's no reason why those scores have to go into, into that. Or we could look at them in a different way. Let's look at how they're making progress towards the goals that we set forth and the benchmarks in their IPs, I think we'd see some pretty positive numbers. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, one thing that uh, Jen Black was on here many, many uh, weeks ago, you know, in one of our meetings, she said, why can't we uh, basically extrapolate data and, you know, the kids that are at school, let's measure those kids. Mm -hmm. Let's measure the kids who are showing up because in reality, if they're showing up, I wonder how many schools are um, not succeeding. No, I, I almost feel bait and switch. When it comes to data, like we grew up under the time where data was just coming to light in schools. Yeah. We literally did it. You and I in the beginning with pencil and paper and calculators and spreadsheets. Yeah. Now everything's digitized. But you think about it when we when back in the day when we took the CRT or on a bubble sheet and we sent it away and we used to have our test buckets and all that kind of stuff. We actually got the test scores back sooner than we do now. I agree. I mean, that's another thing. You're telling me with all the information that we have in Infinite Campus, I mean, just look at the media right now, what's going on with with the data breach. There's all kind of information out there, right? We have all this information on students. There's not a way for us to extrapolate the right data for the right students to give the right scores to the school. Like I would even go so far as star system is if that kid's score is going to count for the school, they should have been at that school for at least two years. Yeah, you, know, you make a good point there. Uh, we have, we have. I just counted today. It's a hundred, and I think we're around one hundred and fifty-six cosas. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of the cosas coming are um, are students who are struggling. So now you have a student moving into our zone that we've had no no previous uh, time with, and they're going to be there all year. They might come in, you know, two grade level below or or three. And we may catch them up, but on, they're still not going to pass an SBAC. And so that that does not um, shine favorably upon us. No, I totally hear you. And you, you know me. You've known me for a couple of decades now. I'm all about people. I'm all about kids. And then when I have a parent and a kid that wants to move from a school that they don't feel is getting it done or maybe things just aren't working out and they want to come and try and work hard, I'm all for it. Agreed. I don't care if it dings me. If it means that I'm going to lose a star over that, you can, you can have your star. You already took yeah. 10 points off the top on me, so I don't <laughs> even count it anymore anyway. But yeah, I haven't I, even gotten to how I feel about 
I'm going to come back to that because I have some stronger feelings about about okay. that whole thing anyway. Right, go, go ahead. Keep rolling. But, uh, but uh, with the Cosa kids, I love having them come over. Like we have 740 students or so right about now and well over 100 of my 700 are Cosa. Yeah, you're the same as but us then. All I'm saying is let's let's not count a child into that school unless they've been there for two consecutive years. I, I think you have a great idea. You know, if you give us a you know a year to get them acclimated into our system, and then yeah. after that we'll roll with it. Because I'm like you, I don't care. Nope. You know, I mean, Marvin the Martian could land his alien ship out in the, uh, I can. In the parking lot, and if a kid walks off there, they're ours, and we'll take them. I but will. You know, I will try. Yeah. But yeah. Measure me on my efforts, our efforts. You know what I mean, rather than arbitrary data. And that's where I come back to what I was talking about a second ago. I think the CRT, the SBAC, just one piece of arbitrary data. I'd like to get rid of that completely and go with math. Like you think about it, when the kids come in in the fall, you take that benchmark, right, in the beginning of the year. That's a great assessment for us to look at. Where's the holes? You know, where 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 are the kids in my class right now? As a as as it would look at the end of your standard, it really gives you a nice blueprint, right? Yeah, I agree with you on that. I would I would switch to the map. I've been saying that for years. In fact, when when I opened Thompson, I was trying to get all the teachers there. I'm like, listen, I think someday it's going to be map only. Map matters. And I'm telling you, some of the teachers who came from other schools where they never looked at map, it was uh, it was shock and awe. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm just like, no, you need to grow the kids in map. And I really think that hopefully by the time we're gone, that we'll get to that. But, you know, I think that politics and money plays into it with SBAC, too. So I don't know. Uh, That's my gripe, you know, because at the end of the year, we almost have to choose as a principal which test to take seriously, MAP3, spring, or the SBAC. And you know which one's going to win because we, we, you and I are dads and we have kids to feed and jobs. We want to keep a job. So we might, you know, do well on the test that, that they put all their marbles into, which is, which is our CRTS back. And I'll tell you what, we get better data. Uh, I wish we took spring. Like I, I tend to look at winter map data and compare that from year to year to year, rather than looking at spring to winter, or I mean, fall to winter to spring. I like looking at winter across the years for growth for kids, because I feel like that's the test we give with the, you know, yeah, the best gusto, if you will. Yeah, I did a podcast uh, a while ago too. Um, with uh, I used to do this with Abby Peterson, but she was a kindergarten teacher, and we had a debate: what's more important, primary or intermediate? And I was saying, while all teachers are important, there's no doubt about it. The SBAC pigeonholes holds us into having, sadly, to care more about three, four, five. And that's not fair. But if you're starting a school, what grade level are you going to make is make sure is great first? What am I going to make sure is great first? Yeah. Well, you can't read to learn until you learn to read. And the problem is, is third, fourth, and fifth grade is where we start seeing kids make that change in life from reading to learn, right? Right. But without learning to read, you know, I, I'm not totally against some of the stuff we're seeing with this phonics skills. Because I think we have some kids, kids that need it. Where I go against the grain with that is I sat in a training recently and, and it was for the HMH series. And, you know, how many series have we seen come and go in our careers now? They all come and go, don't they? They do. But 
but I love to read and, and I devour books and there's plenty of books that I've read over and over and over again because they're awesome. How many basal readers do kids pick up because they were like, God, I loved it. I can't read can't wait to read this story about this bento box one more time. You know what I mean? That's not going to make kids love reading. I'm sorry. No, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, at our last meeting, we were talking about this too. You know, <clears throat> I said with the new HMH system and their schedule, when does a kid get to read Harry Potter if they want to? That's what I'm saying, man. And you know, it can't be just read alouds too. Like read alouds are great. And that's one way to capture kids, but that's just one thing. And usually read alouds, you know, when you're using that at, at a whole group level in third, fourth, or fifth grade, you're missing levels. You got some kids, you're right at their level, of course, and you have some kids that, you know, their listening level, of course, is higher than their academic level and it could work out. Then you have some kids that maybe aren't interested in all because they're just not intrigued by it, you know what I mean? Because they're they're intellectually at a different level. And read alouds are good, I'm not saying that. But kids need to read books. They need to read novels at their level. They need to find genres and authors that they love. You have and to give them a choice. And you know, like the HMH, they're going to say, oh, well, you have, you know, you have the books to give them choice. But they need to walk into the library and know their level and, and be able to make a choice about what they want to read. And then we need to support that. But uh, I just don't. And this is the struggle. You and I just disagree on HMH. And, and Yeah, that's HMH. been my struggle this year, really, is trying to find a way to to use HMH, you know, use 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 it to a level that, that, that it's appropriate to make sure we're covering the standards and, and that kind of thing. And at the same time, trying to find ways to, to bring in that Fountas and Pinnell guided reading groups, that Lucy Calkins writer's workshop where kids are working with reading, working with writing and doing it because they're excited about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think too, I kind of what I've been seeing on social media lately and hearing things is I think the district might be realizing that the teachers are indeed the experts and they should be able to do uh, lessons uh, that they think are right for kids. I think we're caught in a tough spot because you think back to about 10 years ago when we had an opening saying third grade at your school, you probably had a handful of applicants, you know, and out of those applicants, probably well over 50% of them had gone to school to be a teacher. And then there's the alternative routes and, and they're not certainly not downing alternative routes. They've been, they've been the backbone the past few years, but why I bring that up is I think one of the reason we're seeing things like HMH and then in the 95% uh, phonics in the, in the letters that came out a year or two ago, mm -hmm. some schools are still going through is I think a lot of people that didn't go to school to be an elementary education teacher missed out on that phonological awareness, that core phonics, that phonics instruction, those word attack skills, where those of us that went to school for that, we, we took those classes. So that's what angers us about some of this coming out is because we've already had it and we don't want to do it. Yeah. But I understand why they're bringing it. But as they always say to us, differentiate, I wish they would do that for us. One of my look biggest gripes. Look at our transcripts. Go yep. look that I, I took intro to language. I took language too. You're going to see that I took these classes. I understand. Yeah. I know this stuff. Yeah. One of my, one of my pet peeves is, uh, you know, don't tell me what to do on campus. If you haven't stepped foot on campus, you know, that just, I just struggle with that. And yeah. then you have, you have your high flyers. Like if you think about your best teacher or teachers, and then you are 
having them do HMH. I just think it's slowing them down. I think we're getting in the way of that greatness. Yep. No, I hear you. Like I literally, were you at, were you at the dis, 130 discussion today? I was not. There was some talk that, that um, the superintendent did an interview with a teacher. I haven't seen the interview yet, so I certainly don't want to talk to it or down about it or, or, or good about it for, for yeah. that matter. But what I was led to believe in the discussion today was that he made it sound like these materials are just being provided for you to use if you want to use them. Yes, he made a lot of gray area from what I understand. And I yeah, live in the gray area. That's not the message coming from the instruction unit. So that's one of the big one of the big um, concerns I you know I hear from people is that what you know what Dr. Jara just said is not the same as what you know Dr. Larson Mitchell believes and the sasses are not kind of being open to what he's saying. So now we're stuck because you know we want to go run run things our way, but then someone comes in and says, "No, you're supposed to be doing this." And then you know if I cite Dr. Jara saying this is a resource, where is it going to go? Yeah. Well, you know, I know what they'll say. <laughs> the answer always is, is, reach out to your region, talk to your staff. <laughs> right, right. Hey, so and, you're, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I feel like I have a good open line of communication with right. my staff. And I think he has, um, I think he has confidence in me that I'm running this, running the school in, 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 a, in a good direction, taking the school in a good direction. He sees that we're using the HMH and I think that's what they want to see. You know what I mean? But we definitely are still finding ways, um, particular third grade, you know, hats off to third grade. They're finding ways to, to, to trickle in the guided reading. You know, now it's going to be my job to make sure that the HMH is being taught because, you know, you know me, I'm a soldier. Yeah, I'm going I'm yeah. to go against my own will on that and do it, do what they ask of me. Well, I give if, you credit uh, for that because, you know, you're you are, you know, I mean, for back of uh, lack of a better phrase, you are a good soldier. Um, as to where I I live in the gray area. So where I hear, you know, this is a resource and we teach the standard. What I hear is what I believe, which is I don't care how you teach it. Just don't get me in jail or get me on TV or get me in trouble. Yeah, no, I, I I'm pretty great, too. I don't. I like to be that soldier and do what they ask of me because at the end of the day, I work for them. Right. But there's the other shoulder that says, who's really your boss? <laughs> and to me, it's the 740 kids that call at home every day. I know. And I, I got to do what's best by them. And I want them to love reading. You know, I know I'm not going to make every kid be a page turner. Some people are and some people aren't. But we could at least pe turn people on to things they're into. And you're not going to do that with a basil. I'm sorry. Well, I agree. And I, I think, you know, you're like me where you're a servant leader. You're there to help the teachers do the job. So right now is what we are asked to kind of have them do the right thing because it's not inspiring them. It's not, you know, it's not boosting morale, so to speak. And that's a struggle for me. I don't, I don't want to live in the negative and have teachers like hate to come to work. So it's like, how do you... Like I'm constantly or we constantly are trying to find ways to boost morale and, and keep people happy in this time. And it's hard. Coffee, coffee trucks and car washes only go so far, right? Yeah. You feed them all the time. You know, I, I, uh, <laughs> we have a lot of extra money. So, you know, if you, there's no more volunteering, extra duty is the way, but 
<laughs> it's just, you know, it's just a challenge, I think. You know, I mean, but if everything was easy, we'd be bored. Now, since you said that, I'm going to take a moment to 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 take a, 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 just a just a plug to say thank you to our governor. I've been living here now for 24 or five years. I've lost track. And I've never once seen an increase in per pupil student center, per pupil funding like we saw this year. And my hat's off to Governor Lombardo for doing that. We're going to do, we're going to be, I can speak for me. I will be a good steward to that money. We will spend it wisely. We will put people in good places. We will buy great things for the school. I am so excited to be able to say yes. We have had to say no for so long. It's so good to hear and say yes. Yeah. So just, I, I, I tell this story all the time. You know, when I was at Smith, I used to pray that I'd have thirty, thirty-five thousand $35,000 to run on. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sitting over a million and it's like, what, where, what? I opened I didn't that believe thing. it when I saw I it. I thought there was some kind of error and I'm like, I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was in, I was in Utah. You know how it came out over the weekend where you could actually see your amount? It was, was it Labor Day weekend? I think it was Labor Day weekend. Sounds right. Sounds right. And uh, I opened it up on Saturday morning with a cup of coffee and I went, that can't be right. That has to be a high school's budget. So I shut the lid, went back to drinking my coffee and said, I'll call my analyst on the Monday or Tuesday when we got <laughs> back to work. And she's like, no, that's really it. That's that's how much money you have. No. I went... It's- and that's in American dollars. They didn't put <laughs> the currency on me. <laughs> I, think, I think it's interesting. You know, now we have money, but we don't have any people. That's, it's the paradox. <laughs> yeah. years we had plenty of people to choose from. We were, we were great at recruiting, which is a whole other topic. Let me know when, what night we're talking about recruiting. I'll come back. <laughs> and uh, now we have all the money in the world. There's nobody to spend it on. Yeah, well, it just – I mean – HR drives me crazy. I, I just, I feel like I've been saying for years, I've, I've talked about this and it's in the book, you know, about fingerprints. I, I oh, oh, like, you, so we hire someone and then you have to hope that they'll wait long enough to get cleared to come in. And it just, I can wait six weeks. And then if, if they decide they want a different job or they don't get yep. cleared and then I'm starting all over. Oh, that should be the first thing they do the moment they say, I'm interested. As soon as they check a box anywhere on that application that says, I'm interested in applying to CCSE to say, first thing we need you to do is get a background check. Because no, we won't even take your application until the background check is complete. Because then people jump on it. I, I agree. And I, I've always said, I mean, I've told, I've told, I emailed um, the former HR lady. I said, listen, Tolks. if you, yeah, talks, if you want to fix one thing, I emailed her like the first week that she, she got here, I said, if you want to fix one thing, I don't want to see them on my screen in HCM until they can start next Monday. Yeah. And I swear I've been harping on this for years. That's the way it used to be. When we had that antique system passport where we used to – remember it was DOS prompt? Literally. Yeah. Like, yeah. You'd have to like push like <laughs> F1, F3, F6, F5. But the people would be – you'd call them and you would interview them and you could hire them. Yeah. And then they started. Yeah, it's funny how I miss that system sometimes. It it was so You're telling me. You know, you just could get stuff, you could find things out about people. It was right there, but anyway, let's let's switch topics. Sure. Uh, you are you're in a little bit more affluent neighborhood than I am. Uh, sure. Yes. Yeah, so what what challenges do you face in uh, you know, in your community? I'm you know, I know 
I was shocked to hear you say, you know, chronic absenteeism is what it is. Sure. I felt like it would be a little bit high, uh, a little bit lower up there, I guess. But what else do you face? No, because we face the chronic absenteeism on the oh, other end of that, too. Because yeah. it's like, hey, we're taking our family vacation to the Swiss Alps and they're gone for two weeks. And <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? We, we get a lot of that. And a lot of our second language students um, don't come from south of the border. They're, they're not uh, Hispanic speaking. A lot of them, not, we do have that, of course, but right. a lot of them come from um, Asian nations, uh, you, you, uh, China, Vietnam, uh, South Korea, popular this past year or two, South Korea. And then the Middle Europeans, because we have a lot of uh, folks from Cirque du Soleil, Ukrainian, Russian, you know, Scandinavian, um, Hungarian, all that. So like, oh, man, there's a million languages, which I think is the coolest thing. It's, it's one of the things that I love about Las Vegas. You know, like I grew up in Podunk, Ohio, where they talked, you know, I went to school learning about this melting pot, but everybody in the pot looked like me. And then I got out here and it's like, oh, this is the melting pot. And I dig it. You know, one of the cool things about Givens is you think it's up there in that pocket uh, of just Summerlin, but man, there's a ton of culture up there because of that. Which right. is but I, I think what are what are the pitfalls or the, the challenges, if you will? Um, they're looking for that private school feel at that public school price. You probably have affluency. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, and, I got you. But then again, for every parent that's kind of in your grill giving you a hard time, you got twenty that want to help you. You know what I mean? Like that's when I have a fundraiser, it's you don't, you don't even want to know. You don't even want to know. It's just, it's awesome. You know, I don't even have to think about it. And then the ability to get donations to have killer fundraisers because of the connections you get to make within your community. Um, awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like, um, you know, being at Smith back where we could barely raise any money and that wasn't anybody's fault. It's just a working class neighborhood. Um, and then going to Thompson, which I, you know, it's like, like you were saying, we are a true melting pot. I mean, people think we're in the suburbs, but we are a majority uh -huh. Hispanic. Um, and, and I love it. You, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. You can legitimately see every kind of race and culture. It's in the lunchroom at lunch. And that yeah. adds so much value. Um, but I think people, you know, people who look at our schools and think, oh, you know, they, you know, they're, they're in the suburbs. Very easy to run. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? They're easy because we work our butts off, like getting to know parents and relationships and we're outside or, yep. you know, like we'll get back to them. So mm -hmm. it takes work. It's so easy to sit in your office. Yep. They're easy to run. That's what I hear. Right. I'm ready so to trade. <laughs> no, I wouldn't <laughs> trade for the world. I love my job. Yeah. No, I we... love my school, love my community, love my job. Like some of the connections that I've made at Givens, some of the things I've gotten to do because of that. I got to drink a beer out of the Stanley Cup. That's amazing. Because of the connection I made, it gets. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like the coolest experience in the world. I mean, that was just so <laughs> neat to do. And I have other stories like that and just have met so many cool families. And just I, tell you, I can't people. believe it's been, I think, 13 years since I've been at that school. Yeah. I, I, one of the good things I think the district has done, uh, you know, hof hopefully they'll continue this, is they've allowed principals to stay at schools now it's not like a you know a dance of the lemons type thing or or anything i feel like people can build some roots and some some systems yeah. and structures which i think is a great thing back when we were starting out 
especially as APs. I, I was an AP at three schools. I don't know. All over. Yeah. So I think that's one good change they've made is they've allowed us to build up relationships and systems and, uh, and, and build trust with the community. hundred percent. Like Allison and I've been working together now a number of years. So on those days where you step away, doctor's appointment, medical appointment, a quick family vacation, it's nice to know she's there and vice versa. You know, like we talk about everything. We, we finish each other's sentences. It's pretty sweet to have built that capacity over all these years. You know what I mean? It's pretty wonderful. We really want to bring another person into the mix because we have the money for it this year to, to bring in a, a second AP or a success advocate. But um, I'm reluctant. I don't know. I struggle with that too. I mean, um, actually there's a, a teacher that's going to go back and get her admin degree. Now she's read by grade three. And when she gets done, then, you know, then you've got your person right there that, you know, is going to come in and, and not cause problems, but it's, it's nerve wracking. I mean, I've had, uh, this four APs now and you just never know what you're going to get. And then it's almost more work sometimes and we don't have time for that. So no, that's why I, I want, I have a couple that I've grown on my own that are there at the school, but because they're like hardcore teachers, none of them want to leave their classroom because they're halfway into or a third of the way into a school year. And they, they're like, I can't do that. And I appreciate that. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, if I'm willing to wait, which I am, there's no guarantees I'll get them because that's the scary part. I mean, especially, you know, you're putting your faith in, in people that might not want to give you what you want. Yeah. Or see things the way I see them. It's like, I'm not saying I'm the best principal out there. That's certainly not the case. Uh, you're on the right side. I just think we're on the right side of the bell curve. But I know my school. I know what my school needs. You know what I mean? Like, I know that. Well, it's back to, you know, like, I, I have absolutely no right to not to tell you what you need at your school because I've never been on your campus. Well, every school's so different. You know what I mean? And I've had my finger or thumb on the pulse of this school now for a long time because prior to my principal uh gig here i was the ap for two years and he was outgoing you know retiring so i got to be pretty involved you know right off the bat i've been a part of givens for a long time well pretty much since the start jeremy jeremy opened it right jeremy was there for the first three years yeah and then rick was there for seven okay i was there for two or two of his seven years yeah. So, I mean, you, but again, yeah, you know, and plus your staff is your staff. <laughs> that staff's been there so long and some, some of them, you know, followed me over from other schools. Some have just been there, that kind of thing. And we rarely have an opening when we do it's because we've either grown or someone's retired or spouse relocated out of state, something like that. But like even beyond the people, like physically, like I know what's going on. Like I know, that if the bathroom across from PE floods, <laughs> that I have 15 minutes to make sure that no other water is running in that school, or I'm going to have a sea of poo on the first floor, right at the bottom of the staircase. I know that because I've had it happen many times. I, how do you feel about um, um, how do you feel about schools that have a second floor? Because I'm a little lukewarm on it. Um, I just don't know. I don't know how I feel. I mean, I, I mean, this is going on year four now, but how do you feel like uh, about your second floor? Do you do you prefer the you know like uh, the style that you know is one level, or how do you does it? Do you like it? I'll tell you what. It's what's kind of cool about it is um, we're kind of built into a hill, 
So even when you're on the second floor, you could end up outside, if that makes sense, right? Because we're in, on a hillside. Like when you're on the second floor, that's where our multipurpose room is. That's where our PE room is. And you walk right outside. And that's kind of cool. And then there's like this fishbowl effect to the library when you go across the top bridge, if you will. You could look into the library with these big, tall windows, and it's kind of neat. Yeah. So you got um, some perks then, like for the way yours is set up. Yours is a different model than than Thompson, but definitely some inherent flaws, and that's probably why there's only a couple of them. There's mine. There's the Hollingsworth one that was downtown, mm-hmm. and then there's another one that I don't even know the name. But there's some true inherent flaws, and I mean, I guess if you're in a landlocked area, second two floor schools, we sure why not? But man, we got nothing but space out here in the middle of the desert. I'd rather have a big sprawling ranch personally. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. What do you see? So you you gave uh, you know Governor Lombardo credit. And now we have all this money, and we also have thanks to the federal the federal dollars, we have all these programs or AK resources. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that none of that stuff works, and then two years, in two years, we are right back here. Or score, scores went down. What what are we gonna do? What kind of uh, you and I talking? And I, I kind of you kind of made me sad. <laughs> Sorry, because you know, like you were like, ah, you know, I'm getting close, and the thought of being revolutionary or really making a dent in this this profession's kind of the light's kind of going out for you. But what what are we? What are the people behind us going to do if if money and resources don't fix the problem? Well, I think I think we need to look at the problem from a more global perspective. Like one of the things that I've always griped about here in Nevada, and I love, love, love Nevada. I'll probably never leave Nevada. I really, I'm almost to the point now where I've lived here longer than Ohio, where I grew up. And I just love this state. But I'm convinced that this state's not too thrilled or too excited about having an educated workforce. You know, this is the first year we've truly seen money towards education. We haven't seen, well, we've seen a little bit of growth. We haven't seen huge growth in post-secondary choices here in Las Vegas. You know what I mean? Other than casino, there's not a whole lot out there beyond beyond high school. Right? Yeah, I mean, you make a good point, which I don't think you know people might not think about is, you know, the strip needs workers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sadly... You know, it needs it needs people who are not going to college in a lot of ways. It just needs, you know, it needs laborers. Um, Even that, like, think of where you grew up, Walla yeah. Walla, Washington, correct? R- Waitsburg, very close to Walla Walla, very rural, very rural. If you were to draw about a six-hour driving circle around that point, how many post-secondary college choices did you have? And so you would ask uh, six hours. You'd have a few. You'd have Washington State. You'd have Gonzaga. Whitworth. So you'd, you'd have a few, but I mean, uh, you, you have to, you can go to Walla Walla community colleges or after that you're driving at least two hours. Mm-hmm. So you, you mean, see like our choices here in Las Vegas, I mean, unless you go into Southern California, you got UNLV. It's a good place. Like I'm not saying, yeah. not saying yeah. nothing about it. You know, he's a good place. UNR is a great college. I have two sons up there, but it's eight hours away, seven hours away, you know, and then that Nevada state, State University now, right? Nevada State University now is starting to grow, which is nice to see. And then CSN, we saw it go from Community College Southern Nevada 
Community College of Southern Nevada to College of Southern Nevada. So we have those three colleges down there, down here, but none of them are like, what's the word I'm looking for? None of them are like teacher institutions. And well, it blows my mind. We're the fifth largest school district in the nation, and we have three colleges right here, and none of them are really like teacher factories. Even then, even if we had a teacher factory, though, do you think people are going to go into this profession? Why there's not? No, if you, if you're no going to live in Las Vegas, like we're now starting to see people not just live here, but live here and stay here. I'm right. one of them. You're one of them. You know what I mean? People live here, stay here. I have people who that we grew up with coming up through the district who were the principals when we were just becoming. And now their kids are teachers in here in, in Nevada. And it's like, okay, so we're starting to see this generational thing that, that's new. We need but to I, do better at keeping our people here, I guess is what I'm saying. We need to, like, like we grow our own in our buildings to be leaders, we need to start growing our own to be teachers here. Yeah, I mean, there, we have to do a better at retaining them. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that in this world that we live in that there's any kind of spotlight on the profession. It's no. all about YouTube and and professional sports and you know all all social media. And I don't know how we recruit well, people into a profession that has no extrinsic value unless you turn out to be like insta famous or something like that. Well, the thing is, it's like how do you talk? I, I blame it on the cost of college in the interest rates on college loans. Cause now that I have kids going to college and saving all these years, it certainly wasn't enough because college went up exponentially and the interest rates on student loans is crazy that you don't even want your kids to, to take them. Cause why in the world would you go into a profession where you're going to come out making 50 grand a year when your freshman year costs you 50 grand? You're scaring me. Cause my, my kids are getting close to college. Well, here, my kids, here you go, buddy. Two boys mm-hmm. in college, in state, at a state college, year one, so that you can have instruction, dorm, and if you're in a dorm, a meal ticket, almost $30,000. It's crazy. One year. And it's I have two crazy. of them up there. Well, yeah, you know, we, we're professionals too. You know, And think about you know the families that are really struggling right now. How in the world they have no other choice, and then it becomes a choice of do we even go to college or do we go, you know, do we go CSN for a little, a little bit? Back to why I made my statement. I can live in Vegas, and I could deal cards. Mm-hmm. I could pour drinks. I could work an Uber. I could work for a limousine company. I could work transportation, you know, and or then construction because we do some building, you know, and you can you could make a darn good living. You can. You can, like my brother-in-law is a bartender. He makes way more than I do. Like two dang master's degrees. He makes way more money than me. He looks yeah. like he's having way more fun this, these days. Well, yeah, I, I always laugh too because every, I mean, not every road, but 90% of the roads have road construction. So, and, and they don't seem to be working too fast. <laughs> There's not a lot of urgency there. So how, you know, how, <laughs> How do those jobs work? Now, do I want to be outside in the heat? No. And, no. The, you know, I'm, I'm. Well, there's trade offs. There's trade offs, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, again, though, it comes back to you know, yeah, what? How do we get teachers? Hmm. It's a tough one, man. I, I'm, I got to be honest. I know it's a cop out answer, but I'm glad I'm on the waning end of her career because I don't know, going into school leadership now, the way the community views you or views public schools. Um, 
how hard it is to find teachers. I mean, I'm literally, I recruit from parents when parents move here from other States and they twinkle that little bit of information that maybe they work as a teacher. I'm like, pardon me, would you do? What what was that? (laughs) And it's it's November 6th and I'm already looking for next year. Yeah. I have two people working for me that was literally just that exact scenario. (laughs) Yeah. There was a, uh, by grade three had a student that she taught in elementary school she is i believe a freshman in college going into elementary ed and i'm like check back with me in three years please don't take yep. a job until you talk to me and, that's- and then i had a colleague retired colleague principal whose child was graduating from university and in, in teaching and i you know offered her a position and i said do you have any friends <laughs> And that's how I found some teachers. And then I kept telling them, do you have people that were a year behind you? Give them my number. <laughs> one of my one of my things, I don't know recruiting wise, why why you don't fly to Youngstown and I don't go to the U of I and oh, we so don't sit we don't sit in the education building and not offer jobs to seniors, but we offer jobs to juniors and sophomores and say, here, sign on the dotted line, and when you have your degree, you have a job. Why in the world? Have you heard from any of the people that have gone on recruiting trips? I've heard a few a few rumors. I've heard a few things. So I'm not going to say nothing because I don't know. I didn't see it firsthand. We weren't there. But what I've heard is not good. And why we're not doing that old model, I don't know. Apparently there were some problems. Then discipline the people that gave them gave you problems. Like, go look at my track record. You'd send me to Cleveland or Toledo or Youngstown or Pittsburgh, and I'd come back with a bushel full of awesome teachers. Yeah. Well, that's how I got there. Like, I remember going to my interview and it was, you know, Clark County. The lady was on campus and I, you know, you you don't get a job back home unless someone dies. So I don't understand. I don't feel like we're doing a very good job retaining or recruiting. And now, you know, with the teacher contract, by the time that thing gets settled, we're going to need another 18% just to catch up to the states again. If they sent us out to our hometowns and home colleges, and let us go in to do the way we used to do it, where we would do a job fair one day and then interviews the next or something like that. All we have to do, I remember it distinctly, going into one of those things. I remember my professor saying to me, how many of you want to be teachers in the fall? You know, And all of us put our hands up. Mm-hmm. How many of you are willing to leave Youngstown, the little town I was from, to get that job? And there was three of us with our hands left up in the air. And I remember her, Dr. Feist Willis. She goes, you three will have jobs in the fall. So after class, I went up to her and I said, Dr. Feist Willis, how do I do that? She goes, start going to job fairs and move to a town where they need teachers really bad. I said, where do I find that? She led me to it. And within a month, I had a contract at Clark County Schools. Yeah, it was easy. They offered you the the contract before you even knew where you were teaching or what you are teaching. I didn't even care. I, I was freezing cold <laughs> in springtime in Ohio, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to move to Las Vegas. It's 100, yeah. it was 100 degrees. I remember looking. It was 100 and some degrees that day. I was like, hmm, okay, that's where I'm going. I'm going there. Yeah, and now, you know, if you uh, – I think, you know, back in the day, and then the cost of living was so low here. Oh, my God, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah it was great. We, like, we used to go to Arizona. When we got here. We would go to Arizona Charlie's and have like a $1.99 steak and eggs. Remember the – it was seven for 77 cents. They had yeah. seven different breakfasts, and each breakfast was 77 cents. We'd get all seven. You'd have 25 yeah. plates in front of you. Uh, the bill would be $4. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, or, or you could go to Moose McGillicuddy's and you know buy like nineteen drinks for like thirty dollars <laughs> or, or something back in the day, and now you can't get you know two drinks for thirty dollars. Oh my god! No, I, don't if, leave, I don't leave my house. I don't drink outside of the four walls I'm sitting in. You know, if you're 22 years old and you're coming out of college, you you know if you if you want to have fun and you like sports, Vegas is your place. But if if you're looking for money, like Albuquerque starts at like sixty, and you know there's there's other places, and that's one of my but here's the sell. Here's the sell. This is the part they're missing. You're right. Their pay is better. But you got to live in Albuquerque for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to learn Albuquerque? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, we have are. to sell Vegas better and then give them something. You know, there's got to be something to keep them here. You know, find, find a way to make it better down the road so people will come. But Las Vegas is still a very, very desirable. Oh, place it's a to go. it's a great place to live, and I love it here. When we started, it. when we started, you used to get breaks like for Southwest Gas or yeah, out of power, <laughs> or you know, you get a little bit off the rent here and there. I don't again. I just, but that's you know, one of my big frustrations is I just I, I'm like I'm like we gotta have some action. We you know I'm an ideas guy. Let's go. Mm-hmm. We got the ideas, but I don't ever see anything happening. Here's here's you know like. You were saying earlier that I broke your heart because, you know, I don't think I can make any change in the system. Here, <laughs> here's what I want to do before I go, because I really feel like this town is moving towards sports, which is really, really good to see. We have all these professional sports teams yeah. coming. I think we are moving in a good direction with the district as far as trying to push kids forward. But I don't think we do a very good job of of, of marketing how we're, we're better than the competitors out there. I mean – Ultimately, this the city is growing. In the past five years, the city has grown in population, but the school district has shrunk because people are being attracted to to these charters and magnets for what they're offering. We need to be able to offer some of those things, and I think we do. I just don't think we get the word out there. Right? We don't. We don't like. We I you know. Do job with that. I don't know how heavy you are into social media. Um, I'm more of a Twitter person than Instagram, but I just don't <laughs> see a lot of positivity no. uh, about the district. I do. Uh, I do a thing called a hundred positives, hashtag hundred positives. And every year I put out a hundred positives about Thompson or, you know, something in education. And then I look around and I don't see people above me posting anything positive. So you go Google Clark County, you're just going to see, you know, El Dorado teacher beat up or yep. you're going to see. Well, that's what the news is anymore. I stay away from mainstream news because it's all it is is negativity, but we need to market like, this is the time of year where we should be marketing the heck out of all of our magnet opportunities so parents know the deadlines are coming. And if this is something you're interested in, like there are parents that had no idea that elementary magnet schools even existed. There should be incentives for us as principals to turn our schools into magnet schools or STEM schools or whatever. There should be incentives for that. Well, yeah, but so I, I struggle with magnet schools and I have respect for the principals, of course, but magnet schools frustrate me because I don't feel like going back to the star ratings to kind of bring it full circle. I don't feel like it's a fair game. You know, they don't have self-contained above, uh, you know, above pre-K, you know, <clears throat> students can magically be not coming back the next year. So I, I, I would love to, I mean, I don't, I don't want to turn it into a magnet because I have this desire to do it, you know, do it with all the things against me. But you're not wrong in the fact that the good things that we have, we, I just, it's Vegas. Like, wh- yep. why can't we market this stuff better? There's so many marketing people everywhere. Plus, and we I- have donors to throw money at the problems. Like, the one big thing that I'd love to do with my last five years 
I want to build a 12U center for CCSD kids, for 12U sports, from cheerleading to flag football to basketball, you name it, and have a facility for them to go to, and then maybe start building other ones. Because people pay money to rent facilities, so if we have this, we have land, yeah, we get donors to build the facility. I think we can compete against some of the little leagues that, that run around town. You're never going to compete with like Summerlin South Little League or any kind yeah. of baseball little leagues. But man, we could have flag football. We could own it. Well, I have we could a cheer. We yeah, could I, own little league basketball. It would be awesome. I just started at Thompson. Um, this year, this is the first year we just have we have flag football with Mountains Edge schools and. We have a cheer cheer team and basketball yep. and soccer coming, which is great. But you know, like going back to it, you know, this is a controversial topic or a subject or a statement. But do you know who has probably spread more cheer to educators over our careers than anybody else? And I don't know if you're tied into this, but you know, Tam Larnard has given out thousands and thousands of tickets to shows. Yes, because he, has. he has. He has because he has a hookup. Yep. And I'm looking around. and I'm like, Vegas is giving out sweets to the Raiders. Why are we not helping out educators? And it goes back to probably what you're saying is, yep. do we really want to? Partnerships. Like, I don't feel like we build those partnerships. And that's how you do it. You know what I mean? If you if we had like a, a sports center, then you invite those guys down to it. You know, like yeah. when I would when I do the, the the carnival and stuff at my school, that's that's where we make our money is reaching out to the sports guys saying, hey, help us out. Give us this. Give us that. Yeah. I think they want to give. You just got to ask and ask nicely. Right, right. I think they definitely want to help, but it, I feel like there should just be, there could be so much more done between the district and the community. I feel like when Dr. Jara got here, you know, was it five years ago? I felt like he was doing some great things with partnerships in the community and then COVID hit, not to make an excuse. And then things just seem to go away. And it's uh-huh. just like, we gotta, we gotta have a partnership here. Like this is yeah. all encompassing. And I don't, I don't understand why we, why can't we, you know, why can't we have a, a SAS that's in charge of community partnerships or something. That's what I'm saying. Now, even with like some of the names we had here in town, like we had Zappos here in town before Tony Shea, you know, passed and all that, but it was like, why didn't we have a business partnership with, with them? Or we have, um, uh, what's his name? It's building the bullet train. I can't think of his name. Elon, Elon Musk, where they're building that, uh, pneumatic bullet train. How come we're not, why aren't we doing stuff with them? Why aren't we connected with them? And then like, we have the Nevada test site. How come we're not doing stuff with them? We have Nellis air force base. How come we're not doing stuff with them? We should be doing stuff with all these people. All these should all be a part of the community, all interwoven. And it should be going back to like Lombardo. You give tax breaks or, you know, I mean, Elon's got a decent tax break for, uh, for outside of Reno, but again, it's all, it's all encompassing. It's a community it's a community profession. It's, 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 we're here we're to help. try and draw those business people to our desert. Then they're going to need an educated workforce to work in those businesses. Right. right. Or they're not going to want to come here because the education system's not great in their eyes. So we're losing. I think out that's been a deterrent. I really think that's been a deterrent for businesses to be here. Sure. I mean, why, why, you know, if I can go, you know, uh, try to think of somewhere else, if you can go to Boise or you can go here and you're going to be, or Reno. I mean, we both love Reno. If you go to Reno or Vegas, which one are you picking? I know you're probably picking Reno. Yeah, I, I, I would, if I had the opportunity, if the right opportunity presented itself, I would, I would consider moving to Washoe County. I would. 
I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, it's got, it's got, it's got outdoors, you know, we're outdoors. You know, I love the great outdoors and that's what I love about Northern Nevada. Not that we don't have some great outdoors down here in Southern Nevada. There's some places down here I love a lot, but I like those, uh, colder temps and, uh, I like the water. I miss, I miss lakes and streams. Like Lake Mead's nice. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, but yeah, uh, but there's nothing like Tyler. I, I mean, no. Carson City is really probably my favorite city in Nevada. I love Vegas, but Same. Carson City, you're close to the outdoors. You can go to Tahoe. You can go skiing. You can go fishing. Yep. You can go boating. Yep. You can go to Pyramid Lake. You can go catch some history at Virginia City, or you can hang out in Reno. I mean, it's I love Virginia City. That's one of my favorite <laughs> little spots to it's go have a, a drink. It's just a cool little place, man. I mean, it's, it, could you imagine being alive in the 1800s you, and being at that place? Do you like bourbon? No, I mean, in my older age, I really don't drink much. I, I'm pretty much just margaritas anymore. There is a a place in Fallon, Nevada okay. called Fry Ranch, F-R-E-Y, and it's a bourbon distillery, and it's all family-owned, and every everything about it is Nevada. The grains are grown here. It's distilled here. It's bottled here. It's distributed here all out of Fallon, Nevada. That's awesome. So and good. That that's a, it, it's every, everything is in Nevada. I mean, it's it's I all here. It's all here, and I just wish people knew that. I mean, Vegas is Vegas is a great place. There's you don't have to. How many times did you go down the strip last last year or month? Never. Depends you on what you mean. To. Depends on what you mean by down the strip. I don't just I don't go down the strip very often. But I go down to see the knights who are on the strip. Sure, sure. And then there's some restaurants that I prefer sure. that are on yeah. the strip because I'm, I'm a bit of a foodie and I like to go out to a nice steakhouse or a good seafood house sure. every now and again. And man, when it comes to, to cuisine, what's better than Vegas? There's so many perks. And I, like, I don't, uh, everybody's moving here except for teachers. I'll tell you what, I think the other cell that they're missing out on, what's going on downtown with the arts district. Arts District's cool. It's an up-and-coming yeah, place. I love that. Such a cool little idea with all the old neon up and then all the little kitschy places that opened up. There's so many great restaurants, bars, and shops down there. My wife and I, that's become our favorite place to go when we get a night out. We go downtown. One of our favorites is um, the Cornish Pasty. Have you been in the Cornish Pasty? Oh, go into Cornish Pasty. Get yourself a nice pint and a pasty and <laughs> learn the story of the Cornish Pasty. They're very good. I will do that. I will do that. Well, sir, I know it's a Monday. It's been a long day, probably. You were kind enough to come by for for close to an hour, and uh, I appreciate always being able to text you in times of uh, difficulty or or you know in times of uh, times of fun. But uh, no matter no matter where you stand, uh, I have always appreciated your perspective on things, and uh, I appreciate you and all you've done for kids in Nevada. Well, I'm back at you. We've been friends a long time. I think it's so cool that we started out very first years teaching out here and uh we we still know each other yeah crazy still talking shop still trying to make clark county school district a a better place it's a good place but a better place and uh right back at you we'll keep doing what we do for a few more years and then we'll then we'll sit back and really we'll be like those two guys on the muppets (laughs) (laughs) up in the mezzanine (laughs) right We'll just sit back and watch, and we'll we'll hope for the best, but we'll probably expect. Taking our heads, going. <laughs> what the what the hell's going on? Exactly. Anyway, man, I appreciate yep. you. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Take care.